Come on, everybody. Bless him today. Has he ever done anything great in your life? Well, if he has, throw your head back, open your mouth, and shout to him with the voice of praise one more time. Father, we bless you. Thank you for our salvation. Bless the Lord. God is good, isn't he? And he's good all the time. Listen, be seated just for a moment. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord. Before we do, I want to take a moment to welcome um, and a bunch of incredible people that are here today, but one in particular is my son. He is the pastor of Place for Life in San Antonio. And if I wasn't in this series, I would have had him preach this morning. I think my opinion is he's one of America's greatest preachers. This man can just flat preach the gospel. But I love you, Pastor D. It's funny, he knows me well. I told him this morning, sit close because at any moment, I might just hand you the microphone and tell you to start preaching. And he said, be instant in season and out of season. And I said, you've learned well. You've learned well. But I love you, Pastor Dustin. Please stand let everybody see you so we can honor you today. I love you, man. He brought, Erica, Erica was up here singing, right, leading worship with our team, and she's so anointed. But he brought his whole, not all of them, a good portion of his staff up here just to hang out with our staff for a few days and uh, kind of an information exchange. But I want all the people from Place for Life to please stand. If you're from San Antonio, Place for Life, please stand. Awesome. You'll never meet better people than these people. Come on, clap your hands, Quest Church, and let them know we love y'all. Now, I'm going to preach for two hours this morning, so I need you to go ahead and stand so we can read the text and, and uh, get on with it. God is good. What a great time of praise and worship we have enjoyed this morning. Do not miss Table Talk tomorrow night with Real Talk Kim and Arisha Hilliard. I know you will be blessed by these women of God. They're strong, they're prophetic, and they will be pro prolific in their dialogue tomorrow night concerning where we are understanding the times. If you have Luke chapter 17, we always say that, and then we put it on the screen, don't we? Verse 20 is where we will begin our dialogue this morning. Man, I feel the anointing. You know what? Here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and tell you this. While I preach today, things are going to start turning in your life. Yeah. While the word goes forth today, God is going to be working things out for you. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and prophesy this. Some of the things you've been worried about, some of the things that you have been over-concerned about, this week you're going to find out that it has totally been changed. It's totally been turned by the hand of God. Now, if you can receive that, if you believe God will and can do that, would you praise him one more time if you, if you really feel like he will do that for you? I do too. <clears throat> Pastor Christian, I see our young people sitting up here today. Your revival went great from what I understand. 
Thank God for our young people. Amen. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? So the inquiry is about one thing. What is it? The kingdom. When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. That's strong. Then he said to his learners, his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day that, that the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there's the Son of Man, or here he is. But don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man must, what? Suffer terribly and be rejected by this, what? Generation. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. I'm going to continue our series this morning entitled, As It Was in the days of Noah. Lift your hands, please. Father, we break every generational curse and we dismiss every generational spirit that would be diametrically opposed to the progress of our personal purpose and destiny in this earth. Now, Father, I speak to principalities and powers and rulers, any evil influence on any family lineage or in this region, and I tell, tell them all to lose God's people and let them go. We thank you, Lord, that addiction shall be broken even today. Appetites will be changed today through the preaching of your word. Thank you, Lord, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we thank you for the liberty to preach the gospel in this room today and see the effects of the gospel being preached. Have your way in the name of Jesus. One more time, will you clap your hands and give God praise. Look at someone and tell them it's on in the building and you can, you can be seated. Let me just say this to you very quickly as I begin our dialogue this morning. The message is always bigger than the messenger. You will never be at a place of spiritual maturity that you will not need the grace of God in your life. You will never be at a place of spiritual maturity that you will not need the grace of God in your life. A man is coming into the revelation of the grace of God when he realizes all he has to offer God is weakness. A man is coming into the revelation of the grace of God when he realizes that all he has to offer God is weakness. God will never be impressed by your gifts. He will never be impressed by your talents. He will never be impressed by any of those things. So the best thing you can give him is your weakness. 
Because his grace is made perfect in your weakness. When you look at Luke chapter 17 and you read verses 20 through 27, the dialogue is concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus at one point says, Seek ye first, Matthew 6, 33, the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So there must be a priority to the believer's life. And the priority must be the kingdom of God. It denotes the idea that if you seek the stuff, it will elude you. But when you seek the kingdom, everything you need will find you. Right? The only way to live successfully in a kingdom mindset is to embrace the ideas of grace, mercy, and faith. That is what makes the wheels of the kingdom to turn. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace and joy. Where? In the Holy Ghost. So where is the kingdom? In the Holy Ghost. If you find the Holy Ghost, you find the operation, the functioning of the kingdom. Denoting the idea that when the Holy Ghost is not present, you have to question authority. You have to question motive. Are y'all in the building today? So the kingdom of God is what is priority. And that's what Jesus tells these religious people. He concludes his dialogue by saying, as it was, help me, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost here, as it was in the days of Noah. So it's very important that if you want to see what the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God is about to manifest itself in its full power, you've got to look back at what was going on in Noah's day. So when you go there in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, the Bible says that the characteristics of Noah's day was that the earth was corrupt and violence filled the earth. Corruption does not set in overnight. Corruption is decay from the original condition. If we've seen anything in our nation in the last 250, 60 something years, it has been a decay from the original intention. We call it a falling away from the original purpose. But here's what I know about God. That God's original intention is his final decision. All right. When you look at the condition and characteristics of Noah's day, let's go through them one more time. There was a rapid increase according to scripture in population. There was unprecedented accumulation of knowledge, number two. Number three, there was a rapid acceleration of vice and lawlessness. Number four, there was a fascination with demonic activity. Number five, there was a total disregard for the laws of marriage. Number six, there was a rejection 
of not preaching, but the preaching of righteousness. Hmm. Theologians will tell you that the philosophy of the day was the philosophy of deism, which means God did create the earth. But after he created it, he either lost control of it or he was not interested in controlling it anymore. Number eight, of course, the land was filled with violence. Now, when you put all that together, it equals one word. What is it? Chaos. God has a way of working with chaos. As a matter of fact, when he started the whole thing, in Genesis chapter 1, he started it with chaos. He started with disorder and then brought order to show a progressive pattern that would never change. That anytime God wanted to express his sovereignty, he showed you the mess. This is what a mess looks like until I get a hold of it. Could it be that God has allowed or permitted us to get to the condition we are in to show us that without him, without God, there's no lines, there's no boundaries, there's no limits to what men are capable of doing. I'll just leave it there. Chaos is always at the end of anything that is not working. And chaos is at the beginning of something new. That's proven in a pattern historically through Scripture. Number three in review is the case for the kingdom. The whole question was about the kingdom. And Jesus just went off. And he says it does not come by observation. So if it does not come by observation, it has to come through participation. So the Holy Ghost is saying, I'm emptying the stands of spectatorship. It's time to get out the stands and on the field. I wish I had 10 saved, sanctified people in the building. The fourth review is the construction of the ark, which comes twofold. First of all, the material that it was made out of. It was made out of gopher wood, which is wood that is pliable and reliable. It can bend, but it does not break. It always submits to the structure that it's attached to. The ark is symbolic of the church. The church ought to be being built with people that are pliable and reliable that will stay attached to the structure that they are assigned to. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. Not only the material, but the measurements, including a window. One window and one door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but through me. So let's fix that before we go any further. Pastor Rick, are you preaching an exclusive message? Yes. No man goes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the door to everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So before we go any further, let's put Jesus where he's supposed to be. Jesus is everything. Can I get a witness in this building? Jesus is everything. 
It's all about Jesus. All right. Then he said, put a window in the top of the ark, and he said, make it 18 inches in circumference. The window is for two things, illumination and ventilation. Revelation and ventilation. When what you are carrying cannot breathe, it will die. Job said the matter that I carry within me requires a vent. If you're always being smothered out every time you start seeing something, then you'll never come into the fruition of your full purpose in this earth. Tell somebody, I got to breathe. I have to breathe. Nothing brings ventilation like revelation. When you see something for the first time that you've been looking at for a long time. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Because when people are illuminated or enlightened or they come into understanding, they are established. Jesus said what a man understands cannot be taken from him. We've got an earth filled and a generation filled with knowledge but have little understanding. So that makes it impossible for you to walk it out in wisdom because wisdom is the application of information and revelation. Woo! I think I just lost about 70% of you. But if you think I'm going to slow down, sorry. I didn't bring you a little bottle today filled with milk. I didn't come to placate you and tell, tell you that you're living your best life now. Because if this is your best life now, God bless you. It ain't mine. I am not enjoying this season. I have not. 2020 is not my best life now. And I love Joel Osteen. Uh, number six is the cause for the ark. And I mean that sincerely. I think he's one of the sweetest People in the, in the earth today, one of the kindest people, humble. All right, I just need to throw that out there because I love Joel. The cause for the ark is the final review, Pastor D. Genesis chapter 6 tells us that God tells Noah to build the ark to save everything that came into it alive. The purpose of the church is to keep you alive. The church is the last place you ought to be in and have to worry about people stabbing you in the back. The church is the last place you ought to be in and have to worry about people killing you through gossip. The purpose of the church ought to always be to keep you alive. Not just alive, but lively. A lot of people are alive, but they're not living. Do y'all understand that? Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. This should be a life you are enjoying, not enduring. So now you have to ask yourself the question, are you minding the analytical dialogue of the world and the media? Because if you are, you're enduring this. But if you're in the ark... You should be receiving life every week, every day. That you don't look at the circumstances and say, man, 
we are about to, it's about to be over. No, you look at the circumstance and you say, we are on the step of the greatest day that the church has ever seen in its history. This occasion should not look like opposition. It should look like opportunity to those of you who have faith in a living God. Now, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to thank him for a bright future. We are not at the end. We are at the beginning. Amen. Well, that was all review. Are you ready for the message for today? Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. Congratulations, Madeline and Patrick, my nieces here. They got engaged this past week. And I'm, I'm just so happy for them. When I was preaching, I just looked over there and saw y'all. I said, well, praise the Lord. Engage folks on the front row. Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the what? Mm -hmm. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. Are y'all still with me? And the ark rested when? In the seventh month. On the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decrease continually until when? The 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of that month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Say those words with me. The tops of the mountains seen. One more time. To understand Genesis chapter 8, you can't skip from 6 to 8. You got to read chapter 7 because that's when the drama unfolds. I don't have time to read it to you today, but I can tell you that in chapter 7, it starts raining. And it rains for 40 days and it rains for 40 nights. 40 is important in all of scripture. Quarantine means 40. Noah and his family were quarantined during the what? Flood. You can say it. Flood. Right. In chapter 7, you're going to discover another important number. And the number is this, 120. That the waters are going to rise 120 feet above the earth. Noah built the ark for 100, 
120 years. There was 120 priests blowing trumpets when Solomon's temple was completed and the glory of the Lord sat in the temple where the priests could not minister anymore. There was 120 people in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Ghost filled the room where they were sitting and tongues of fire sat on each of their heads. 120 years ago this year, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Topeka, Kansas on a man named Charles Parham where he began to speak in other tongues. He laid hands on a one-eyed black man from Louisiana who happened to be in the meeting. That man left there and went to California. He started a mission in Azusa, California called the Azusa Street Meeting. The fire of the Holy Ghost fell on that meeting in 1906, approximately 120 years ago, and Pentecost had arrived in America. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the full manifestation of the kingdom of God is revealed. I hope you just heard what I said. That's why I'm telling you, we are one step away from entering into the greatest move of God that this earth has ever experienced. Now, I'm trying to get you, are you saying, Pastor Rick, are you trying to get us excited? Are you trying to make us enthusiastic? Are you, are you trying to make us happy about where we are going? I want to tell you an absolute yes. I am here to preach to you until you leave this building, not depressed because you had to quarantine, not depressed because some places make you wear a mask, because some of y'all been wearing masks for the last 20 years anyway. I'm not here to preach to you about all. I'm here to preach to you to make you feel good about the fact that you are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Word of God tells us that our future is very bright. Tell somebody your future is very bright. Now let's, let's take this sermon up a level, shall we? Shall we graduate just a little bit today? Because when you read chapter 8, the Bible says these words, And God remembered Noah. God remembered who? Noah. Noah's name means rest. God throughout scripture remembers stuff. In Genesis 19, 29, the Bible says God remembered Abraham. Genesis 30, 22, God remembered Rachel. Exodus 2, 24, God remembered his covenant. 1 Samuel 1, 19, God remembered Hannah. Pay attention to the names of hurricanes. I don't know how many times in history God has shown me prophetic revelation through names of hurricanes in our history. And I find it interesting that Hannah is hitting Corpus Christi. 
Anyway, God remembered Hannah. Here's the question. The question is this. If God remembered these people and these things, does that mean he can forget? If he remembered, does that mean he forgot? I wrote this down this morning. For God to forget implies that he would have to learn new things. Well, he does not learn anything new. Therefore, he can't forget anything he already knows. He would have to learn to forget. And if he can't learn anything, that means he knows everything. Psalm 139 verse 2 tells you, you know when I sit down and stand up, you know my thoughts. Wait a minute. He knows everything? He knows everything. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. Listen what he says, Psalm 139. You know everything. You know what I am going to say even before I say it. Wow. It's getting quiet now because you're thinking about the stuff you did last night. You're questioning the things you've been saying. And what made you say them? You're doing a personal interrogation right now. Am I okay? He knows everything. Just whisper to your neighbor, he knows what you did last night. Yeah, that, you know, you just want him uncomfortable just a tad bit. God remembered Noah. Let's look at the etymology. To be marked so as to be recognized. In order to be mentioned. To be marked so as to be recognized. In order to be mentioned. Remembered. To acknowledge. To have on the mind or to be mindful. Patrick sent me a text that Madeline didn't know about and said, we're getting engaged on so-and-so date. He did that about a week and a half ago and invited us to the engagement party. Are you with me? When the day arrived, guess what I didn't have? A reminder. But because I love Madeline, I remembered. Did you just get that? I didn't let it slip my mind because she matters. I find it interesting that what really matters to us, we remain thoughtful of. So it's not like God forgot when he said he remembered. 
What he is saying is, I'm always mindful of what is dear to my heart. Are y'all with me so far? So I started thinking about that. And this is what came to me. It wasn't the flood that got God's attention. He sent the flood. It wasn't the crisis that got God's attention. It wasn't the devastation that got God's attention. Some of you are praying, God, don't you see what's going on in his nation? And you are praying as if the crisis is going to move him. Y'all not talking back now. You're praying like, Lord, if you really become aware that we've been locked in our homes and my God, they're making us wear a mask, surely you're going to come down here and we refuse to lose our liberties because our constitution, if your liberty is found in the constitution of this nation, then I got a question for you. What kingdom are you serving? My liberty is not found in the Constitution of the United States of America. My liberty is found in the kingdom of God. So if you think praying, God, don't you see what's going on, is going to change his mind? You're wasting your prayer. He does not come down because of the crisis. Y'all not hearing that. He, if he, for him to come down, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Dustin, if because of the crisis, then he sees the crisis as an opponent with the potential to defeat his will. In other words, he's got to say that crisis is equal to me, so I've got to come down and fight it. That's why Jesus can get in a boat and say, let's go to the other side and a storm can hit the boat. And what is Jesus doing? Sleeping. Why? Because he gave them a word. We're going to the other side. It wasn't the wind that woke him up. It wasn't the water that woke him up. But when the disciples said, Lord, do you care? Then he got up because he heard the voice of what mattered. When God remembered Noah, it wasn't the flood bothering God. It was God looking at his son who had kept his commitment and kept his covenant. God did not come down to remove the flood. He come down to save Noah. Whenever you get the revelation of how important you are to God, then suddenly the pandemic becomes less and your purpose becomes more. God is not here to fight a pandemic. He's here to save his purpose. Tell your neighbor God loves you like that. God remembered Noah. God didn't remember the flood. God remembered Noah. God didn't remember the devastation. God remembered Noah. This is all going to change 
Not, but not because of the potential damage. Did you hear me? This is going to change not because of the potential damage. It's going to change because we are here. 60% of you believe that because you still want to fight. You just got fighting. You want to fight it. It's the devil, government, the president, the Congress, the Senate. I want to fight somebody. You just want to fight. And God's saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. It's not about the problem. It's about him. So here's the deal. Did he save him in spite of? Here's your answer. Yes. He saved him in spite of the storm. But there's a greater thought. He didn't save them just in spite of the storm. He saved him for his name's sake. You don't understand. God's got his name on the line. Do you think he's going to allow this to destroy his people and his integrity be wrecked with his own elect? It's impossible. God is going to save us by taking us out of here or he's going to save us by protecting us while we're here. Now, if you can't rejoice for either one of those, you need to be born again. You need to give your life to Jesus. We're going to be, tell your neighbor, we're going to be okay. Now, I don't know about everybody else, but we're going to be okay because God is mindful of his elect. God is thoughtful about those he loves. Somebody throw your head back and shout, we're going to be okay. So God remembered point number one. Point number two, God restrained. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. Chapter eight, verse two. Some of y'all are still mad at me. Let me, let me, don't be so mad. Don't be so mad. Don't be so mad. Don't, don't be so mad. Don't be so mad. Settle on down. Everybody don't have to toot your horn with you. Your horn only has one mouthpiece. And you're doing a good job. You don't need no help. I'm just saying we're spending too much time complaining and not enough time believing that we're living in potentially the greatest hour the church has ever seen in its history. Wait a minute. Just not preaching. Just let me ask you a question. You really think that God is going to let us be destroyed by what's going on right now? I don't think so. I'm going to tell you one more time. Randy. He's either taking us out or he's protecting us here. What does that say? We win regardless. But you can't accept it because you want your theology to be correct. So that you can say, I knew it. And God said, there's some things I hide from you so that you can never say the words, I knew it. That's found in the book of Isaiah. 
I'll move on. God restrained. It means to shut up or withhold, to keep back or forbid. He stopped the rain. He stopped the flood. When I saw that, Pastor D, my mind went immediately to Isaiah 54. Verse 16, behold, I have created the smith that blows the coals in the fire. I created he that brings forth an instrument for his work. I have created the waster and the destroyer. Who did? God did. Wait a minute, Pastor Rick. God did? That's what the Bible says. I just read in the Bible. The next verse says, no weapon that is formed against you. Come on in the building shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment I will condemn this is my heritage my servants belong to me and their righteousness is of me says the Lord I'm going to tell you one more time no weapon formed against you shall prosper because you are the heritage of the Lord I dare you to shout as loud as you can I'm not worried No weapon, no apparatus, no utensil, no instrument, nothing formed, fashioned, resolved to bring injury, shall prosper. Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. The Spirit of the Lord will forbid it. The Spirit of the Lord will restrain it. The, fear, the, the Spirit of the Lord will hold it back. What are you depending on to hold all this stuff back off of you? I don't know what y'all are relying on, but I am relying on that verse of Scripture that when it comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will stand up and say, you've come far enough. That's my child. That's my man. That's my family. That's my church. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. I'm going to skip some of my message here. Whew. God remembered. God restrained. But watch this here. And I'm going to go ahead and prophesy this. I believe this is where we are. This last point. God released. Somebody shout these words after me. Say remembered, restrained, released. Say it again. Remembered. Now say this with me. He remembered me. He restrained the potential of my destruction. And he released. Here's what it says. Verse 1. And God made a wind. To pass over the earth. The word wind there is ruach in this version. Which means breath or spirit. Can you go with me just for a moment? Lord, I didn't know I was going to preach like this. I just wanted to talk a little bit. Walk with me just for a minute. I'm so fat I don't want to take this coat off, but I'm sweating. 
so bad that I think I'm going to have to. Tell y'all one more time. Somebody asked me the other day, who's pregnant, you or Giovanna? I said both. She's carrying a child. I'm carrying a nation. And CJ gave me permission yesterday to gain 40 pounds during her pregnancy. Thank you, CJ. What the quarantine will produce. <laughs> he said, bring them in two by two, male and female, that they can produce after they kind. Me and Giovanna, male and female, just stepped on the ark. Lord have mercy. Got in the birthing place, jumped in the nest. I'm sorry, wait a minute. I'm sorry, I got, I got distracted. Sarah gave Abraham, Abraham a child in his old age. All right, I'm sorry. Got my mind on something else here. Walk with me, please. Let's go to this valley. And in this valley, in Ezekiel 37, there are dry bones laying everywhere. And God asked a prophet, can these bones... Live again. The prophet says exactly what I would say. Well, only you know that. God says it's in your mouth, not mine. He said, prophesy to these bones and tell them to live. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And there was a noise. Y'all hear that? When stuff starts coming back together, it makes a lot of noise, noisy in this nation right now. And you think it's falling apart, and I'm here to tell you, I am not going to quit believing God for revival. I believe we're about to step into a day of integration, not segregation. Okay. He said, prophesy, the bones came together, and there was a noise. Watch what the Bible says, but there was no breath in them. And God said, prophesy to the four winds. And God made a wind to pass over the earth. The four winds are the compass of winds. The west wind, the north wind, the south wind, and the east wind. Study scripture. I'll come back and teach you on these sometimes. But the west wind always in scripture represents things opening. It was a west wind that opened the Red Sea for Moses and the Israelites to walk over. He said prophesy to the north wind. The north wind literally means to drive stuff away and reveal what has been hidden. I don't have time to go through them all. The south wind is mentioned five times in scripture. Always has to do with the seat of authority. Psalm 78, 26. By his power, he brought the south wind. The east wind throughout scripture has to do with the wind of anticipation. The wind of excitement. It was the east wind that drove Jonah to the right place. 
East wind means the forefront to precede or to anticipate. Prophesy to the north, south, east, and west. Now watch this. He didn't say, I'm going to breathe. You're going to speak. When you begin to talk to the wind, I'll start exhaling. Some of you are talking to the wrong stuff. If we would start prophesying to the wind, the wind would begin to blow. He gave us a pattern in Genesis chapter 8. He made a wind. Now he's saying, I'm not going to make it this time. You're going to make it yourself. But it ain't never going never gonna to blow until you start predicting a great future. Prophesying is not foretelling. You can get that down there with the lady with the palm. Prophesying is telling forth. When the people of God start operating in their authority and looking at the situation around us and saying opposite of what this storm is saying, saying opposite of what the pandemic is saying, saying opposite of what racism is saying, then we're going to see the wind of God blow across this earth and healing is going to come to this nation. And they were all gathered together in one place, in one accord, and suddenly there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I dare you to open your mouth and start prophesying to the breath of God. Lord, breathe on my situation. Breathe on my marriage. Breathe on my health. Breathe in our church. Breathe in our state. Breathe in our nation. Breathe on the White House. Breathe in our church house. Breathe all the way from Atlanta to Los Angeles. Breathe from Chicago to New Orleans. Breathe on this nation. The kingdom of God does not come by observation. It comes by participation. And that's why God told Ezekiel, you're going to prophesy. You're going to make the breath happen. And the people of God are sitting around expecting God to do something. And you are doing nothing but complaining. You are doing nothing but enhancing the problem and accentuating the situation. When is the last time you got on your Facebook and said, God can heal this land. And Jesus is the only answer for America. I'm preaching better than you talking back to me because mo most of you have more trust in your government than you do your God. And you're more worried about losing your liberty in a nation than losing your citizenship in heaven. Getting quiet now. Welcome to the central part of the United States. The most religious geographical area in this nation is right here. You're not Republican. You're religious. 
You think it's got to go your way. What if God says, I'm not bringing a rapture, I'm leaving you? Getting quiet now. But what if God says, now I am going to bring a rapture, and you wasn't ready because you were so mad, you cussing every other day. I'm not done. I'm only halfway through the message. Go ahead and sit down. The wind was what? Released. God remembered. God restrained. God released. I'm going to say it one more time because I'm trying to get on some of y'all's nerves that I read your Facebook. So I'm going to go ahead and wear you out a little bit more. I'm going to wear you out just a little bit more. Because it's disgusting. When will you ever say something uplifting? When will you ever say something encouraging? When will you ever get on your Facebook and say, Jesus is the only answer for this world today? When will you ever get on your Facebook and say, we're on the threshold of the greatest move of God we've ever seen in this nation? You fight for America more than you do your own Bible. You fight for the United States more than you do the kingdom of God. How do I know that? Because you talk about it more. I don't know what you would do if you was born in Haiti or Trinidad or Malaysia. What would you do in some of these nations where you don't have these freedoms? And you mad because you got to walk into a store with a mask on? They're taking our freedom. It's the mark of the beast. Good God have mercy. Man, go in there and shop. Come out of there and take your dead gum mask off and hush your mouth. We're tired of your mouth. You mean God is that small? He's that small to you? You got to be kidding me. Show me scripture for your arguments. I don't believe you're supposed to have a mask on all the time. I'm not a mask proponent. I didn't walk in here with a mask on. But my God, dead gum. Holy crap. My God. If I go to a restaurant and they say, you have to wear your mask to the table, I'm not storming out. You'll never put a mask on me. That's the mark of the beast. They're taking our freedom. Boy, God just real, he's about that big. Oh, I'm not done because I see some of y'all scratching and staring at me. Now that's why I'm going to stay on it for a little while. I'm going to keep wearing it out. Because you've got to measure your government against God at some point. And you've got to say who's bigger. Who's bigger? God is. Well, if God is in control, then God is in absolute control. Trust him. Believe in him. Talk about him. Stand with him. Pray to him. Communicate with him. Study him. Post him. Verse 4. God remembered. God restrained. God released. Some of y'all cry about. No, I'm not done. 
some of y'all cry about, we want a move of the Holy Spirit. We, we want a church where the agenda is the Holy Spirit's agenda. We want, we want the Holy Spirit's agenda. Quest is all about the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't know if the Holy Spirit come and sat next to you and put his arm around you. Because you think the Holy Spirit's supposed to move like you think he's supposed to move. So that's why you won't prophesy to the wind 10 minutes ago. Because you're afraid if God does take over, you might have to change your mind. And that would be a bad deal, wouldn't it? God forbid you could be wrong. God remembered. God restrained. Am I doing okay, Pastor Dustin? Okay, thank you, Pastor D. As long as you say amen, I know I'm right because you're a theologian. God remembered. God restrained. God released. I bet y'all are wondering, will you ever get to the last point? Not till I wear some more people. Let me get back on your Facebook just for a moment. The kingdom of God does not come by observation. And every day you're saying, observe this. Observe this. I'm sick of observing. I'm finna block some of y'all. I'm just going to tell you, don't get offended. Don't get mad. Don't take it personal. Run for an office. If you're that mad, run for an office. I still believe in the United States of America. I still believe in this country. I still believe that homosexuality is evil. I still believe in the laws of marriage. I still believe that male and female produce after their kind. I still believe that God is going to bless this country not because we are the United States, but because God has people in this nation. And they're strong. And if you're a racist, you're going to hell. There's a hot hell waiting for you. If you don't like people with a skin different color than yours, you're going to hell. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll see about half of y'all next Sunday. God remembered. God restrained. God released. Y'all want the last one? Let me just get on one more thing before I do. Let me ask you a question. Are you more of a member of the kingdom of God than you are a citizen of this country? Don't get quiet right now. If I ask you what's more important, you know what most of you would say? It's equal. It's equal. Because you think America is God's favorite place in the earth. Have you studied the Bible? There's this other little country that's never been defeated, kind of over there. 
I think it's called Israel. That might be. That, that could be. And if we've got any favor on us at all, it's because we showed them favor. The moment we stop showing them favor, you, you think you're in trouble right now. Let us pull back from Israel and see what God does to this nation. Do y'all want point number four? What was point number one? God remembered. God what? Restrained. God released. Are you ready for the fourth one? One more thing. I'm just kidding. Verse 4, Genesis 8. And the ark rested. God remembered. God restrained. God released. And the ark rested. What is the ark? What is the ark? It's the church with the presence in it. What is the ark? The church. The church is to do what? Keep you what? Alive. God remembered. God restrained. God released the ark. The church rested. Why are we wrestling instead of resting? Why are we mad instead of relaxing? The ark did what? Rested. And the tops of the mountains were what? Seen. Isaiah 2.2 In the last days the house of the Lord shall be established in the tops of the mountains and all nations shall flow to the ark. I mean the church. I mean the house. It's the same thing. Talk back to me. All nations shall flow to the ark, to the house, to the church. Talk back to me. It'll be established where? In the top of the mountain. What was seen? The tops of the mountains. I don't know what you're seeing right now, but here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing top shelf stuff. I'm seeing God on top. I'm seeing his people on top. I'm seeing a revival on top of the flood. I'm seeing a rest on top of the unrest. I'm seeing a move of God's spirit on top of the upheaval of the earth. You've got to get to the top. Somebody give him praise. And the Bible says, I'm sorry, I got to leave it alone, that it rested on the top of Ararat, which means God reverses the curse. Let me help you. Until the church gets stable, until the church gets steel, until the church decides to rest, until the church is secure, that God is in control, we're never going to see this curse rolled back. Whew. Where do we rest? In error it. The curse is reversed. You are in the safest place. You can be in this whole nation right now. That's why, okay, 
That's why the enemy is fighting the assembly. The enemy does not want us to assemble. And for my people that watch online, I love you. And I encourage you to keep doing what your conviction tells you. You'll never hear me tell you you're wrong. Not going to do it. If God's telling you to stay home, stay home. I get it. Watch online. It means you, you're still with us. But there's nothing that will ever replace the house of God in this earth. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, especially as you see the end approaching. Are y'all in the building? Now, everybody has to use precaution, and I get it. And you, you've never shaken the hand of a pastor that has pastored through a pandemic, political upheaval, and racism like a, a, a nation has never seen. You've never shook his hand. And who are you to get mad at us because we're trying to navigate? We're trying to figure this out. Do we meet? Do we not meet? Do we tell our people to wear masks? Do we tell them not to wear masks? Do we tell them to watch online? Do we tell them to stay home? Do we tell them to come to church? Do we have youth meeting? Do we have men meet? No matter what you do, if you have it, people say you don't love the people. If you don't have it, then you don't have faith. So guess what? You can't do anything right. So you know what? We are sitting ducks for you to go to lunch with people and pick pastors' decisions apart. Go get a life, sucker. Get a life, man. Get you a life. Good God, have mercy. Get a life. Find something legitimate to complain about. Loser. All right. I love you. Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Jesus is king. Let's all stand, please. Amen. Some of you are saying, Pastor Rick, you've been preaching like this for this whole pandemic. And guess what? I'm probably not going to stop preaching like this until it's over. My intention every time is to come in here and give you hope. But if I don't make you think, and I do not challenge your conviction, and I do not challenge your belief system, then I'm just sitting here patting you on the back saying, guess what? You're going to hell, and you're going to be okay. <laughs> Welcome to hell, brother. You're going to have a great time burning forever. That ain't me, it ain't never gonna be me. God is good. I said, God is good, and He's good all the time. Let's do this just to make the devil mad. Let's give God the greatest praise we could ever give Him. Come on and bless him. Come on and bless his name. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Now listen to Pastor. Why do you get on that so hard, Pastor Rick? Because I just have a sneaky feeling that in this hour, 
Satan is in the wings of our life and he's laughing and he's saying I came to steal heal and destroy and I'm not even having to work right now because my, the, God's people are killing themselves they're destroying themselves and he's laughing at us but on the other side of the coin there is a generation that is radical about God and knowing God. And you know what I got a feeling? There are prophets walking in valleys. And God is talking to men of God saying, can it come back together? And men of God are saying, God, only you know. And God is saying, prophesy. And as you prophesy, there's a noise. There's bones that are rattling and things are coming back together. Now we're going to sing this song. You can leave or you can come up here and rejoice. But there is a rattling going on in this nation. And things are not falling apart. It's coming back together. We're going to sing this one song before we dismiss. I need some prophets and some prophetesses to walk these aisles and prophesy that it's all coming back together bone to bone sinew to sinew there's a noise in the house come on y'all yes if you want to come on come on come on young people come on young people
someone next to you and say these words I don't know about the world but I know about the church and say it as loud as you can our best is yet to come now give God praise right there if you believe that I know you can't hug or you can if you want to whatever but just tell somebody God's got it under control amen Awesome day to day. Success to you. Success to the kingdom.